Welcome, dear readers, to Cover My Ass, where baffling books are reviewed but not read by yours truly. My name is Kaki. And I'm Kay, and remember, we only judge a book by its cover. And we find ourselves once more amid the towering stacks of your library where I've sort of returned things to order. I've placed all the uh, yeah. bookshelves back where they're supposed to yes. be, and I've shooed off the hebdromedary. Yeah, they've just scuttled off to you know, in, underneath the skirting boards. Is that something they can do? I mean, I they mean, are headless, they, legless, yeah, they, seven they can lumps. flatten themselves out Giant. and get, get in through the cracks. I'm so happy that I didn't have to see that. They yeah. are very upsetting animals. Yeah, why did you even bother with them? I mean, I guess... You, you wanted to ride them? Yeah, I had a bit of a librarian's crisis, I guess one would say. Like, I've realised that I wasn't a very good librarian and that I spent so much time with all of the wonderful mystical animals in your magical library where I've been a guest for a year and a bit. A year and 17 weeks at this point, I think. Oh, wow, good math. 69. No, I'm uh, just really... Minus 52. Is is that, is, yes, is episode 69. Is that going to start happening now? Yeah, I guess it is. Okay. I'm pretty sure it is. It's going to be a very nice episode. So I'm going to try and like find my place in the words of Elton John. Okay, so I guess that was an announcement of the emergency library broadcast system. <laughs> The raccoons are at it again. Oh, now I'm imagining them in their little control room with the flashing lights and the clipboards, and they're running about. Yeah, one of them standing on the shoulders of the other, leaning over the microphone, pressing the button, <laughs> making the announcement. Going beep, beep, beep. I don't think you have to do the beeping yourself. I think you can push a button for that. That's what they say about lightsabers when you're in a Star Wars film, right. but I don't believe them. I think you have well, to make the noise yourself, otherwise that doesn't happen. I'm pretty sure Ian McGregor to- got told off for doing exactly that. <laughs> and you said, fuck off, I'm the queen. <laughs> Who's like, the no, Jedi? You, you or me? Like, no, no, we can see your lips moving. You're still doing it. You can CGI that. that. I know you can. I mean, yes, they would. And Laura Dern on The Last Jedi, when she finally gets a gun and she just couldn't resist going pew, 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 pew. Did they still do the blue circly flashy thing that they did uh, in the original New Hope? Well, it wasn't even called A New Hope back then. It was just called Star Wars. Wasn't it even the Star Wars for a week? It doesn't have the same ring to it, does it? It's just the one war, though, really. Really, when you really think about it. Well, you have the Clone Wars and then you have the, uh, you know, the Rebellion, the Extinction... No, Which wait, ones uh, are the Clone Wars? I imagined it the Clone Wars being this thing where, like, you are fighting the cloners. You know, the, you're fighting against the, the, right. the evil horde of people who are making like your the clones. own clone, like that, brother against that, brother. That could have worked, yeah, as well. Of, and like, then it's like, oh, yeah, no, you just, like, get a surprise bunch of soldiers which were just, like, cloned for you guys. But, you know, I mean, yeah. George Lucas was fighting an unwinnable battle in the, making those prequels. Oh, yeah. It's like there's no way that he could please enough people because whatever they imagined was so much cooler than anything he could like put on screen anyway so uh, or anyone or anyone no, totally. you know, yeah, you, absolutely. You, you, that's why Star Wars mm-hmm. was it spoke to the imagination yes and, like everybody you, you could make up all these old stories of these little details and things and that's why where they made the toys like every character you saw in the film it had its own figure even if with just a background appearance and then yeah. and then they're gonna name like the, the, the fucking holographic chess pieces have their own comic <laughs> Right? That's I the kind so, of universe yeah. they live in. And then I think we're doing a book review today. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, Sorry. We're talking about Star Wars. I'm still in my librarian crisis yes. where I'm just having a weird oh, relationship. Oh, yeah. So how's so, that going? It's uh, like resolved? Uncrisis? Faith refound? No, I'm going to find my place. It's probably going to take uh, at least a few episodes. You can go the distance? Like this. Yeah. Okay, yes. <laughs> maybe, I need to, maybe I need to get back to basics for a bit. Maybe I need to, like... Put down my little pith helmet and... File some books. Well, you've done a good job in getting things back in See, order. Exactly, yeah. exactly. That's what I was thinking. I put them all in their, in their place. I'm starting to understand the Dewey Imperial system good. and how the numbers sort of change depending yeah. on which way the, the shelf is facing. Well, yes, of course. It, it also depends on third and fourth dimensional 
orientation, but that's like for later. The third dimension I can sort of handle. Yeah. The fourth dimension is tricky. Yeah. It's tricky. But you it, know, it might be time for the red ink. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> oh, that's a deep pull. Oh. <laughs> I wonder if our uh, uh, humble little podcast has a wiki by now that people are tracking this deep lore. But in the meantime, how about we just discuss today's book? Today's book's by Christopher Rowley. I think we decided we were going to pronounce it like that. I think so, yeah. A sword for a dragon. Yes. And we have, well, yeah, it's a we have a dragon on the uh, front cover and, we, and a sword, uh, for that matter. I am famous for for loving a book that does what it says on the tin. It's a sword for a yep. dragon, and he's got a big old dragon, and he's and he's dressed like a knight. He's got a he's got a helmet, and he's got a shield with a dragon on it. Oh, yeah. I, think oh yeah. a, I think it's a wyvern, but yeah. You know, I mean, what's, what's the difference? It's just a different type of dragon. What What's the difference? Uh, so you've got like Oriental dragons and Occidental dragons and accidental dragons. Although those are very care. You, you have to be aware of those. <laughs> <Okay>. They're like <laughs> that was a that was a made up little jokey yeah. joke. I know yeah. that. Uh, I, th- I think I think wyverns are like completely limbless or they're the ones with like okay, so animal the, legs it, it, the uh, serpent the bird, or they might have the bird feet or something like that oh. there's, there's like whole classifications for different kinds of dragons and wyvern is just one well, particular see, kind aren't those classifications they're all made up yeah. Made, yeah okay no I, I, I got that I mean, but like, like yeah, of course, they're made up. No, I know that, but there's yeah. a difference between between mythology and myth- mythology is just famously inconsistent. Well, in its, yeah, in its it depends on who's, it of, depends on who's making it up at the time. Yes, and and it spans spans multiple centuries. But so what we have here on the cover is like his armor, this this green scaled. I want to say probably about uh, 20, 30 feet tall. Ooh, no, 20, no 20. But, but but twelve, thirteen. It's like like the human. No, human. he's twice man height. Okay, yeah, so that makes is. that would put him at about 12, 13, 14 feet high. Human yeah, being and being this, six this at is tops. sort of medieval. Yeah. yeah but, uh, like, we Dutch are tall, so yeah, our idea I'm, of what's what average is... Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. But we've got the horns on top, so we've got a little yeah, bit of so leeway Yeah, so probably a four-and-a-half-foot tall dragon. What? And, uh, four and a half, no, four-and-a-half-foot tall human. Look, I'm following your lead here. I said 12-feet dragon. Yeah. Like, that sword is a good five feet long, but... Yeah. Okay, but how do you measure? Well, because it's a super curved sword. Do you measure along the bottom or along the top? Do you? Like, well, but you have it pointing out straight, and then you measure from the base to the tip <laughs> yeah. in a straight line. Yeah. That's how you measure. And you don't use a tape measure because exactly. that's cheating. So this armor is incredibly well fitted. Yes. To to what can I the say? exact anatomy. I mean, of it's got horns. like yeah, it's got horn sheath. Yeah, so I was thinking about that. That's going to be a, a pain to put on. I just noticed that the forward visibility in that helmet is non-existent. Yes. Also, considering the fact that he has eyes on the the side of his yeah, head, but even maybe then, like he has horse, oh yeah, horse vision. Maybe a, a good moment to uh, inform the readers at home. Uh, you can actually see the cover of today's book if you look down at your podcasting device. You should should be seeing the cover of today's book. Otherwise, you can check us out on Twitter. Cover my ass cast. Shit, I did it right this time, and I just doubted myself too yeah, much. So there was and the board. Like, yeah, so cover my ass on Twitter, where we always post the latest episode. And if you're listening to this later, you can also go to covermyasscast.com and look for episode 69, where you nice. see the cover of today's. Okay, for real? Is it every time? <laughs> Probably. Okay, cool. Uh, and you'll see the cover of Christopher Rowley's A Sword for a Dragon. Like, his tail has, has armor plating on the with, top. With leather straps. Yeah, I mean, otherwise it's not going to stay in place, is it? That's great. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's, like, well-designed. Although I did love someone who, an artist who draws a lot of otters, anthropomorphic otters, and they oh, have, yeah. like, given them tail bags. And it's Tail kind of, bags? Yeah, so it's basically, like, a, a belt and then, like, two, two, like, little saddle bags which hang off the side of the tail. And it's so adorably cute. Oh. It's, it's fantastic. It's like yeah. tail bags. That's a wonderful way to carry stuff around. It is. It's like this tail is, like, you know, 
thick. If you look thick. at it, you like you like you're wondering how does that exactly extend underneath from behind the thighs? I mean, the tail's thicker than his thigh. I don't think that's very unusual for reptiles. Mm-hmm. Like we think uh, about tails on mammals and that it's an extension of a spine, yeah. right? And it's a meaty like sheath around the extended right. spine. Right, and in mammals, it's like the legs are more like a sideways extension from the body, which smoothly in continues reptiles. into yeah. the tail. Yeah, yeah. I, see, okay. I see how that makes sense, yeah. Because they also have, like their spines aren't like ours, reptiles. Do you know, well, do you know why those skittery lizards, why they run and then they stop and then they run and then they stop? Uh-huh. Because their spines only move sideways. Oh. So when they run, they're bellowsing their lungs. So they can't run and breathe at the same time. Oh, okay. Put one leg forward, that means collapsing one lung. Right. Other leg forward, you bellows it back and forth, oh, but you, you want to get a good breath in. Ah, I see. That's, that makes sense. You yeah. have to stop. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And there's also a, a bit of a foppishly dressed human in front of them I as know. Well. Although I do notice that they're kind of like matching colors. I mean, the dragon has purple legs and the human is wearing purple pants and yes. a, a green tunic, I suppose, and purple, what are the uh, shoulder polets? Yeah, I mean, or, it's, it's, no, it's just of, part, like, I think it's just part of the tunic. Yeah, you're right. And like a, a purple beret with a feather and yeah, some like a, a rapier-esque yeah, like saber. The... No, it's a saber, not a rapier. How can you tell? It's a cutting blade. It's and what's the other one he's holding? He's holding a little... A, I think that would be called a dagger. Dagger, daggers are bigger than you'd think. I mean, dagger is right. not like a little thingy stabby knife. Daggers traditionally are big things. That's right. Like uh, uh, like Sting in Lord of the Rings is yeah. described as a dagger. Yet we, but, we, but for a hobbit, it's a sword. Yeah, because like, you know, it's like hobbits are only wee. Even smaller than medieval humans, so around the, uh, uh, the, the, the 0.9 to point, 0.95 feet. I can't remember how tall hobbits are canonically supposed to be. They're, they're like... I'm sure Weta Digital can tell you because they have oh, well, of course they can. charts it's for like, the Lord yeah. of the Rings films. Interesting thing about that is they only had to build two different height sets because what's the name of the guy who plays Gimli? Jonathan Rhys Davies. Yes, but, and he's super tall. He's like yes. six foot something. He's a big fella. And all the guys playing the Hobbits are relatively short guys. Yep. So it just happened to be that their size difference is right for the size difference between a Hobbit and, and, a, a, dwarf. and a dwarf. Yeah. So he, the dwarf was on the same set size as the Hobbits. Oh, yeah. Uh, because he was, like, taller than them. And it, it, it kind of worked out uh, scale-wise towards yeah, the humans. And for the humans and, and, and elves. And, yeah. Uh, so they're, like, in a city, medieval-ish-looking background. There's some yeah. tarpaulins over the top. Uh, banners flying in the sandstone. back. Sandstone. It's very yeah. sunburnt, I would say. There's, there's clearly a low-standing sun, uh, judging by the shadow. Do you see that they're standing on the rim of something? Yes, I think it's a pit or maybe yeah. a, an arena or a uh, amphitheater. That's, that's, uh, you wouldn't be able yeah. to tell unless we see the other side from Excuse the uh, no, from the not. from the image. Well, we'll have to get to that part of the book then. Yes, because let's get started with the book. So we have a sword for a dragon, which is not traditionally how sword and dragon stories go. No, that which, which I thought was a very nice new Me take too. on the concept. So th- this story takes place in the in the mountain kingdoms mm. where the dragons live. There here be lots of dragons. Yeah, uh, and the dragon on the front, it's the young dragon Accolade. See, I thought it was Accolade. Accolade. Hmm. You, you think dragons are inherently be? French? Well, it could be Accolade, Acholade. No, a chocolate. A chocolate, yeah. <laughs> no, accolade. No, accolade. 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 Yeah. I kind of um, like that. Yeah. Who's uh, moping around? Yeah, he's a bit of a glum dragon, isn't he? he? Well, he has good cause to be. Because in the dragon kingdoms, which are experiencing a time of turmoil, he's one of the sons of Queen Bethesda. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. They have this conflict with their neighbouring kingdom. Oh yes, the uh, kingdom of Winchester. The kingdom of Winchester, and all dragons of a certain age are expected to join the forces, like fighting. Yeah, it's a fight warrior the good culture, fight. isn't it? Very much so. Like the Klingons or the Luxons of Farscape. Yes. 
However, as tradition demands, a dragon must have a sword. Yes. And a sword must be won in conquest. Yeah, it must be earned. And traditionally, that happens by human knights. Human knights in shining armor coming to fight the dragons, which are then slayed by the dragons and their their swords are taken from them. And they've got a whole brilliant setup for this. They have the Tower of Terror... Which is a bit of a ritual castle, which is set up at the at the border between the dragon and the human kingdom, ah, where, yeah. where young human knights who come to prove themselves are wander up in their shining armor with their big swords, and then they face the young dragons who are then temporarily housed in this tower. It's kind of a ritual tradition yeah. where a young dragon is exiled to the Tower of Terror, where they have to live. They've been accosted by a knight, and uh, yeah, well, it's the coming of age, best, isn't it? It is very yeah. much so. And unfortunately, young Accolade has been sitting in this tower for a number of years now, and yeah. no human has shown up. Well, th- there was the one Sir Rogate who showed up at the gates at one point, but that turned out to be <laughs> yeah, just a prank yeah. played on him by Accolade's older brother, Bandai, uh, who just like <laughs> yes. got some flunky to go with a wooden sword and showed so up. Cruel. And it's like, it was. Because Accolade had the misfortune of coming of age in a time where not only were the dragon kingdoms in turmoil, but the neighboring human kings, in particular Winchester was on one of its campaigns of militant pacifism. Mm. The, the, the yeah, merciless, brutal oppression of any violence through violence. Yeah, an enlightened period of peace had broken out there. Well... And the humans decided they didn't want to play anymore. Why should we send out our young and brightest, armed with our best weapons, only for them to be slain by the dragons and then have their good magical swords, which we forged through great pains and hardships, taken from them just to give them to a dragon who then yeah. used them to fight us. I was like, this makes no sense. I now, guess. things changed in the kingdom of Winchester with the with the rise of King Remington yes. and some innovations that he made to the armament, like yeah. the sword very rapidly went out of fashion. So yes. First there was the crossbow. I mean, that crossbow's good, but it takes a while to reload and you need a yeah. special fork and it's right. you need to be pretty strong. But you don't need to be very skilled to use one. That's right. As opposed to a longbow or a sword, which takes much more practice. Uh, yeah, which can be used very poorly. And a crossbow is much harder to misuse. And it's sort of like he imposed this philosophy of no touch, no sin, like describing pacifism as simply like if none of the blood spatter reaches you, then you didn't really kill anyone. Oh. So ranged weapons became enormously popular under King Remington, uh. much to the detriment of uh, young Accolade because there are basically no more no more swords to be right. had. Also, like, shooting a crossbow at a tower doesn't really work. No. And so they kind of fail to account for the fact that the new, you know, walking up to the tower, riding up on your horse and brandishing yeah. your sword and challenging the dragon to a duel. And if you're lucky, you didn't get one of the fire-breathing ones or one of the electricity oh, yeah. ones because that was, like, quite messy in your metal armor. Wouldn't the metal armor, hey, uh, uh, wouldn't the metal armor be a Faraday cage? Yes, but you might still get roasted in it. Also, the horse, not very good for the horses either. So enter Accolade's adversary, mm. uh, and I should say also Salvation, because finally someone comes from the Kingdom of Winchester, and he is actually brandishing a sword. Mm. Comes up the road, does the whole thing. He's got not exactly shining armor, but beggars can't be takers. The arrival of young Colt. Yeah. He's... Uh, I mean, he's a bit of an outcast in his own society as well. He doesn't embrace the new technology, the crossbows, and how how ranged weapons are taking over everything. He he sort of romantically yearns for the days of swords. Uh, And in the style of swords into plowshares, he has taken some of his family's guns and melted them down into a sword. Which is not traditionally how things go, but... No, but, you know, it's like you could do this. You need pretty good steel for a rifle barrel. I think, actually, a rifle barrel needs to be more ductile than oh, does it? art. 
Well, you'd think so because you, know, you get lots of pressure, but if it's very hard, then it's more likely to shatter on the yes, sudden exactly. pressure. Because I remember reading once about the the Ulfbert swords. Mm-hmm. Do you know those? They were Viking swords that were supposedly like a millennium ahead of their time in ah. terms of in terms of quality. They were very pure, very strong yet flexible steel. So at a time when the rest of Europe was manufacturing like slag-ridden, over-carbonated swords that shattered like glass, these Ulfbert swords, they could last multiple wars and still be good. Well, actually, actually, over-carbonating wasn't the problem. The problem was actually getting oh, yeah. the swords hard enough. And I think I know what you're talking about now with the uh, Viking swords, because they had the tradition that they used animal bones in the fire, uh, which they thought that the animal spirits would then uh, enter the blades and make them better weapons. Right. Turns out that like just adding the carbon from the bones in there during the forging process allows the, ah, the, the steel to yeah. take up more of that carbon and get like get a slightly harder outside. Yeah, they so had get- huge advantages in uh, in smithing anyway because like up in Scandinavia it's cold so trees grow slow and dense. And dense get good and charcoal. Yeah. Yep. Enormous, enormous heat output when you when you light them on fire. Mm, well, you have to make them into charcoal first, but yeah, dense wood is very good for making charcoal. So that's fantastic. Uh, so they yeah. have far superior swords. Although I believe that there is some historical, I don't know if it's consensus or hypothesis, that the steel was imported from uh, Iran or places where they had I much mean, more advanced. It is. It is known that the uh, Vikings had contacts all the way down in Turkey. Look, I think there's the Antonio oh, yeah. Banderas movie, The Seventh Warrior, or something like that. Oh, the Thirteenth Warrior. Thirteenth Warrior. That's yes, one. that's and, right. But yeah, there are actually Viking runic inscriptions in the great mosque of wherever in Istanbul. Like, oh, which is something wow. like Hargar was here, uh, <laughs> which is pretty much what it amounts yeah. to. And yeah, they made it all the way over there. Yeah, so Accolade is delighted and shaken from his... Yes, he, uh, he perks uh, up. He's like leaning on his elbows on the battlements, like wistfully glancing out over the plains when he sees this little shiny speck in the distance, which yeah. is slowly approaching on his horse, which is a young colt. Now, of course, he's not hes not everything that Accolade dreamt of. He's not a, a great knight in armour. He's just wearing, you see it on the cover, he's wearing his tactical tunic. Yes. And, uh, I mean, he's not the best knight, but he is the best knight that is still looking to prove himself. Yes. Uh, from, and Accolade just, like, he excitedly runs around, like, getting his stuff in order, like, yep, testing yep. his breath weapon, like, Preening. accidentally toasting a chandelier and... Uh, <laughs> It's kind of a meet-cute, because Colt is, is doing the same thing, meanwhile. He's just so excited to meet his first dragon, and oh, I hope he doesn't think I'm lame. It's, it's, it's just, like a little first date. It is, it is. Accolade runs out, and, like, well, not kind of runs out. Like, he has to wait for the, like, official challenge, but he's kind of excitedly, he like... can't wait. And he's just, okay, what, which, what kind of dragon am I going to be? I'm going to be one of those old sage dragons? I'm going to be the mysterious voice in the darkness? Or I'm going to be a fierce, fierce animal? Oh, I don't, I don't know which one he'll like better. Mm. It's so cute. And, well, Colt makes his traditional challenge of, I beseech you to, like, come and fight me or die, you stupid lizard, or something along those lines. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. Those traditional words. (laughs) Yes. You stupid fucking lizard. Come out here, you coward, and fight me like a lizard. Yeah. I was not impressed by his speech. No. I've got to say. He was a little bit like... Christopher Rowley, great writer, I'm sure. A little bit bumbly. I think he he did that intentionally. Oh, yeah? It's like, make young Colt look a little bit insecure and, like... Stumbling over his words. I mean, I mean, both of them are. So the battle starts, and and Accolade tries his fire breath. He has not had a lot of practice. No, his aim's terrible. It's very showy, and yeah, cold, he shies back from the sudden like heat, and but no, it missed him, and it's like singed tail on his horse a little bit. His tactical tunic do- 
does help a lot more than if he was wearing full armor. Mm. Simply exposure to that kind of heat would continue to cook him. Yes, that's that's a, the big problem with metal armor. It's like once you get it like roasted, then you get like cooked in your armor. Even yeah, if you and like tactical tunics. I mean, it strategically burns away, I suppose. Or it's ablative. Yeah. Well, he, he does have his asbestos underwear, which helps him against. Yeah, I mean, they didn't live long back in the Middle Ages, so Gifted I guess by, as long as you don't cut it, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, gifted to him by his sister Sour Sig. She's a bit of a... She's a bit of a prune face, but other than that, a long battle ensures between the two, and I guess neither of them can really get the leg, no. over, leg over with the other one. No, that sword is utterly ineffective against, against Accolade's hide. Accolade is also particularly unimpressed by the sword. Colt is a child of Winchester, so he does have his backup gun occasionally. Oh, yes. And... Once that tunic gets burnt away, and especially the britches, then, you know, there's a little bit of... Uh... <laughs> yeah, Accolade gets to do a short arms inspection. Although not that short, if we have to believe uh, the uh, storyline. <laughs> yeah. He gets a front row ticket to the gun show, mm. because that is where Winchester has... He's has packing quite a punch there. ...developed, yeah, like, it's all guns. Yeah. It's all, all, all guns for, for everything. I was sort of reminded, like, oh, Asterix and Obelix, the Belgian yeah. comic series. No, French, actually. French? Yeah. Very good. Uh, what was his name? Gossigny? Uh, and Dupuis? Or Gossigny? Gossigny and... See, I uh, always thought it was, like, Gossigny, and that it was French, but he's Polish. Oh, okay. or, or Of Polish uh, uh, familial descent. Oh, it's like, there was two of them. No, it wasn't Gossigny. It was Uderzo. Yeah, Gossigny and Uderzo. Gossigny and Uderzo, both oh. of them. Yeah. Okay. It was a duo. One of them, one was the writer, and the other one was the artist. So I don't like, think uh, I, I don't think I've heard of any new new albums being released. Okay. No. Well, I know that that's the case with one of the Netherlands' proudest uh, literary and comics figures, Sir Olly B. Bommel and yes. Tom Poos, which had been revived with art by a, a friend of mine, Henrike Gorhuis. Yes, she was she was like be able to draw that style perfectly, the same as uh, Tone Hermans. No, not Tone Hermans, Martin Toner. Martin Toner is the tea. one. She's fantastic. I actually got to uh, attend a talk where she was uh, in attendance as well about. Uh, Martin Toner, so the creator mm-hmm. of these characters in the Second World War, and how he was involved in the creation of an animated movie yeah. that was not produced but existed to uh, provide jobs and therefore cover for several Jewish artists. Oh, okay. So they were just the only purpose was like to have. Oh no, they're working to keep them employed. Critical, yeah, yes. yeah. So they have on this animated film that was never going to be finished, oh, okay. and uh, like where they got the financing, I don't recall. But that yeah, was, uh, that that's was, amazing. Yeah, yeah, it was very he, cool. I think he moved to Ireland. He, he, he's Spent the rest of his life living in Ireland, I believe. Oh, good for him. Martin Tondra, yeah. So the reason I thought about Asterix and Obelix was that there was one... Okay, so while while a literary classic, these comics are super racist. Yes. In their depiction of other cultures. And one of them was go to Corsica, yeah. uh, the Italian island. Oh, where everybody's like got switchblades and everything. It's switchblade yeah. everything. Switchblade swords, switchblade switch spears, switchblade yes. daggers. It's all of the, And so that's kind of what I got from the Kingdom of Winchester. Everything's guns. Like... Uh, when the battle dies down between Accolade and, and, and Colt, yeah. uh, Colt is starving, and so is so is Accolade, and they're sort of leaning against each other. So Colt gets out his breakfast gun and fires off some breakfast, yes. freshly cooked for Bagel, both of them to enjoy. Bagels and... Uh... <laughs> yeah. But with a little squirt from his wine gun as well. Ooh, yeah. Nothing helps young people bond like food. That's one of the things. Right, after hardship. I mean, the, the trials and the hardship, they're fun, but then afterward you share a meal together, and now you're friends. And even better, after the fight and their nourishment and... And their recovery, they kind of look at each other and go like, do we really have to keep fighting? And they go like, eh. It's like, I mean, what like, do we want out of this, right? Can't we just like team up? It's, it's more of a thing that, that starts to grow. They kind of decide to wander off and leave the Tower of Terror behind and 
go off and do their thing. Yeah, because we're both misfits. Like, we're not doing this for the respect of our peers. They're not going to give it. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Like, And he goes, that sort of yours is rubbish anyway. I mean, that's a bit of a boner. I know. It's a bit of a boner of contention there. But uh, (laughs) Accolade works out that although the law says that he has to win his sword by conquest, it's never said it's going to be military conquest. Right. And a little bit of romantic conquest turns into the uh, <laughs> yes. situation here. Yeah, because he sees young Colt, and that's that's one of the first humans that he's seen. He's seen the heads of humans plenty enough. They're like yeah. decorating the halls of Bethesda. And he starts to realize that he is yearning for this, for this conflict was not so much for the fighting, but just like... Maybe there was something else that he wanted from from a knight in shining armor. They both got a lot from each other. <laughs> they certainly did. But I also appreciated that, uh, aside from the, the fun they had around the fireside, now obviously some sizing differences, but that can only add to the fun sometimes. Some people are into that. Hell yeah. That they really got to know each other and explored, like, what are you... What are you into? Like, what are you here to, to do? What do you want? And Accolade did realize that the sword was kind of important to him. He did want it to be one of those cool, like, sword-wielding dragons. He had to be, because he has to come back and, like, join the good fight. And Colt decides, you know what? Let's do this together. Yeah. So they get on the road and, like, journey back to the great halls of Nithogar, where Queen Bethesda is waiting. What does that mean, by the way? I think it's the great serpent in Norse mythology. So oh, I, is I, that the one? That's the one. Accolade uh, shows up with young Colt. And the first one that they encounter is his brother, Bandai, who's mocked him a little bit. Who's this who, who you have there? I see you brought a human. You're a human knight. Is that the famous surrender? <laughs> yeah. And Colt doesn't get it initially. And he thinks, no. oh, great, they've knighted me already. Yeah. Oh, sir. Yes, that's me. That's me. I'm a, I'm a sir now. I'm a knight. I'm a real knight. I'm Sir Render. And Akalasko just rolls his eyes and like, oh my god. <laughs> like, no, no, Can you don't. not do this in yeah. front of my family, please? <laughs> Tell Pope seems like, shut <laughs> yeah. up, shut up. Uh, but Colt is not dissuade. He is proud to stand in the halls of Nithogar, uh, Sir Render uh, of Winchester, and he withstands the sniggering. Now, of course, the big quest is to secure a sword, because it's all well and good to have found his knight in, in shining armor. Mm. Uh, even though it's like a green tunic, but it well, is a I mean, was, fire, yes. it's a I mean, the, I, I guess the shining was done by the fine knob that was polished on the end of the skull. <laughs> Lord. <laughs> uh, and so it's back across the border, and this time it's off into the kingdom of Winchester because uh-huh. uh, they go back and forth a few times. You know how they how they're like they like yeah. to sort of reciprocate. Yes, can't have one without the other. It's like yeah, exactly. But with the help of his sister Sour Sig and Kimber, they're introduced to the chief engineer, the chief scientist under King Remington, who's responsible for creating all of these magnificent devices that have changed the kingdom of Winchester. A gentleman named Walter, a, mm-hmm. a PhD gentleman named Walter PhD. Yes. Uh, a professor who examines sort of the situation that they're in. Like, okay, so you need a sword that's fit for a dragon. Now, that's going to be tricky. I don't know much about swords, but you know who knows a lot about swords? We know several myths about some of the best and most magical swords and where to get them. And like, one of them is the Lad of the Lake, who is yes. <laughs> I mean, famous for distributing swords. Yes, yeah. And there are certain sort of political uh, sensitivities. Some people be. even try to form governmental structures around this concept, but it's, that's... It's not a, it's not a huge success. <laughs> Neither is the next myth that they explore, just the stone in the sword. Now, no. they see it immediately, and they go, this is not, this is not going to be it. There's, that's a sword with a rock in it. Well, traditionally, the pommel of a sword is, like, inlaid with gems and stuff, so that, that yes, would be... Yes, but not the blade. 
well, not the blade no, with a with no. a, like half a men here sticking out of the side. That, it's it's a very heavy blade. It's like it's yeah, it's the worst kind of hammer. It's more like a club than a sword, really. But yes, that's not. It doesn't really work. That the stone in the sword. After their disappointment with the stone and the sword, they do encounter another mythical creature, mm-hmm. a, a, a two-horned, a bull-headed gentleman. They both can go. Oh. The Minotaurus, yes. who who tells them the legend of, of Snickersnack, the Vorpal Sword, and then oh. they go, okay, that Vorpal, sounds Vorpal good. Swords. I mean, you have to be careful with Vorpal Swords. Why they're, is that? Because they're really mouthy bastards. <laughs> is that what they are? Well. See, I, I only know it from Jabberwocky, oh. where it's, it's, it's just described as the Vorpal Sword that goes Snickersnack, but I understand yeah. that it has a, I mean, a pedigree Vor- in D&D. Jabberwocky is older than D&D. Vorpal Swords are That's what I mean. notoriously sharp and like renowned for taking off your head in a single strike. I mean, like, my personal favorite is the Mace of Sharpness, but that's... <laughs> I wonder how that works. Poorly. So uh, off they go on their quest and, uh, to find Snaker Snack, where they grow closer, as yes, one should very expect. Much so. it's like, especially in the cold of the night. And uh, I guess he's not very cold-blooded, because he's usually the one who's yeah, keeping young cold warm, like, yes. being wrapped around him. So I guess we are dealing with a warm-blooded dragon. He's certainly a warm-hearted dragon. Oh, that's, that's really nice. Oh, but, that's a really nice way to to describe him. I was I was a big fan of Accolade, and I regret that that his family was was so dismissive of him. But I'm I'm so glad that he found someone to share this quest with him, because that's what he needed. Uh, so that by the time that they encounter the Vorpal Sword and mm-hmm. the Snake Curse, both of them are quite adept at snake snake charming snake, by this yes, point. So they can. So. They've both had plenty of practice at doing this. Yeah. And, uh, Overcoming the 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 Snake Curse and, and claiming Snickersnack for themselves, which they wield together, and then we see them on the cover, armored, as they're returning to their corrupted home. Is, is, the, is the curved blade on the front cover then? That's yes. what I think. Mm. Basically, Accolade has to go back and like present himself in the great halls of Nithogar. On yes. the way back, they meet his other brothers, Gorilla and Dynamix, who are uh, <laughs> easily conquered with the, with the help of the new sword and, of course, the other technology from yeah, the Kingdom of Winchester. Yeah, they're not prepared for all of these cool Those two guns. are like, no, they're, suddenly they see their little brother, Accolade, and they're going like, oh, to like, kick his ass and we're going to like steal his sword and like make sure, <laughs> yeah. he ne- like, no make sure that luck. Queen Bethesda never gets to see him and kick him out. But turns out that like with the help of the sword and the technology from Winchester they those two dragons don't stand a chance uh, and I like that I don't know if that was your reading but for me it was it was the sword and, and it was the weapons but more than anything it was the bond between Accolade and, and Colt yes and they, they work together so well and that's how they present themselves in in the great halls and Queen Bethesda goes like huh She's, so how did you do this? She's, like she's a she's a wise ruler. And she's, she's clearly not curious. happy, but no. she's more like you know. Okay, I'll, I'll buy it. Like it's fine. It follows the rules. It's yep. like technically it meets the rules. I'll I'll allow it. I mean, she sees that they're both happy, and she doesn't feel like too resentful. I mean, she she always thought that Accolade was. I mean, he was the runt. He's the youngest of the batch, and yeah. But it goes like, okay, I guess I can see this work, and especially with the way that Gorilla and Dynamics have been like defeated. She goes, okay, this is a good thing. We we can make this work. You've completed your conquest of a knight in shining armor. You've even yep. defeated some of your uh, got, your own. You've got a sword more than once. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You got stabbed a whole bunch of times and didn't die. That's incredible. Yep. I think he's like trying to like skirt the the yeah. edges of the censors. I believe it's, like, <laughs> but you know, I think he gets away with it. Now, and after leaving with Queen Bethesda's blessing as a, as a full knight, it's Colt's turn because mm. he has to he has to be knighted as well. Ah. In the traditions of Winchester, where everyone is lost, you have such a sword based uh, society that is now bereft of swords, and everything has to be done by my militant pacifism with with guns. And he's so uncertain what to do until uh, Accolade notices the last gun that he's in his traveling pack that he hasn't used, his shaving gun. Yeah, 
and between them, the two of them realizes yeah. we have just invented the bayonet, bridging the gap between, between the sword, sword and and guns and bringing these two empires together and they can finally resume their their symbiotic relationship and in appreciation of his great feat colt is renamed from surrender to surprised because he's uh, so valued they were considering serenity but it's like <laughs> surprised is definitely better because he has brought the, and certainly by accolade between the kingdoms yeah no one prizes him more than uh, than accolade oh man i I love this book. Yes. I think it's a very shining example of young adult fantasy. Yes, uh, which we don't see enough. And it's so wholesome and it's so sweet. Well, I mean, there's a lot of gruesome. And it's salty. It's, no, yeah, well, yes. Yeah, okay, but like gruesome bloodshed is, is not a problem for children's fiction. No, I suppose not. Like the old pre-Hans Christian Andersen, pre-Grimm Brothers uh, uh, fairy tales of... Like, oh, the, the brutal ones, yes. Red like Riding Hood. The evil st- Whoa. Yes, like, yeah, eating, quote, unquote. E- no, yeah. yeah. The evil stepmother being forced to dance in red-hot shoes at Cinderella's wedding, I believe. Yeah. Kind of some, like, really nasty shit going on there. Now, I, I myself, I'm a, I'm a proud uncle, and I'm very much looking forward to embellishing these stories oh. for my beloved nibblings. Make the, uh, going to the Efteling a bit more of a nightmarish terror episode than... Yes! Uh, yes, because oh, you've heard oh. all the nice stuff. Let me tell you about, see, the, this one, like, like, oh, and the guts came out, and it was, she was like, and she was like, ah, and screaming, and the skin <laughs> wow. came off. And then you hand them back to their parents. All right, so, great book. Yeah, I really loved it. I'm I'm a huge fan of Colton Accolade. And I I honestly do hope that we see more of them in the the future. Maybe we'll find... Let's see if if Mr. Rowley wrote a sequel. Yeah, or some other author. Do you know how well, we've he noticed that a lot of a lot of people sort of write sequels to each other's books these days? Yes, that's that's come up that. in the like, yeah funny funny that maybe, maybe there's, maybe there's pen names that we're not aware with. That's of, right. That, that. How are we going to rate this book? Oh well, um, I mean, it was certainly nice. Uh, very nice. Let's see. I mean, we can rate it swords, but I'm I mean, not it is episode sixty nine. Should we is. do something with that? We've never done that before, have we? Have we? Well, no, we have rated out of sixty nine. I know we, we totally have. We totally have. So let's because. Oh, let's see. Guns? I mean, I can do guns. We have six well, shooters. What's the- five out of six shooter. <laughs> five out of six shooter. <laughs> uh, we can do... I mean, there's more than six shots fired in this book, but... Oh, there uh, certainly is. Um, let's see what else we got. I mean, we can go calibers. There's definitely a caliber difference between Accolade and uh, Colt, but... <laughs> Uh, yeah, the barrels are compatible in some Well, Accolade is more like a 40 mil grenade launcher and like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Colt, I mean like oh. Only 40 mil, by the way, which Bandai never ceases to tease him over Yeah, well, it's like he's a young dragon Oh yeah, that's a good point Maybe swords Well, there again Saber, I mean, out, of has a, Saber out of rapier like, I mean, neither I, of them I, are particularly rapier I Although not, Accolade does have the Zweihander Yes, I, I not Zweihander I, mean, like, <laughs> I mean, it's like definitely a two-hand job for Colt No, let's go with eight Like seven out of eight you have eight shot revolvers. Like, I'll oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah, I like that. I like I'll, that. I'll seven out of, oh, that sounds wonderful. Uh, so speaking of reviews, if you look down at your podcasting device, you should should be seeing some opportunity to maybe leave a review in your podcasting uh, uh, software of choice. And otherwise, you can also get in touch with us. We're at CoverMyAssCast on Twitter, and we're CoverMyAssCast at gmail.com on the, on the emails. We'd love to hear from you what you thought. And hey, if you want to do us a little favor and help out the podcast, you can leave us a review on wherever you listen to podcasts, and maybe leave a review for for an episode you haven't listened to because Stay that's kind of our brand. 
fan. Yeah, stay in tune with the spirit yeah, exactly. of the uh, podcast and like review an episode that you haven't listened to and let us know what you thought of it and let, let, let us know what you thought it was about. <laughs> yeah, we're very curious about that. Uh, so what do we have in store for our readers next time? Next week's book is by Amy Bender, The Particularly Sadness of Lemon Cake. <laughs> Thank you for joining us at Cover My Ass, where baffling books are reviewed but not read by yours truly. My name is Kaki. And I'm Kay. And remember, we only judge a book by its cover. I'm not really uncertain about this one. But the sadness of lemon cakes. Lemon cakes are great. I know. I love lemon cakes. Lemon cakes are fantastic. Lemon bars are very good, too. What's a lemon bar? Like a crumbly base cake. Oh, yeah. In the words of surprise, just shove that in my mouth now, please. Yes.